I pray that your day is good. And if it's not, make it. Choose to let it be a good day because it's a day that the Lord has made and it is good. It is good no matter what's going on. I just grabbed the tucker. <laughs> it is good. And uh, welcome to Beach Island Church. If you're on with us on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube, we're everywhere now, I guess, live. It's good. Uh, welcome. Uh, Beecher Island, we are an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. I say that every Sunday because it is this that we live by, preach, teach. It is God's Word that I pray that we allow to be our ultimate guide. It is God who we follow, not the world. We're independent because we want to make sure that as a body, we hold each other accountable and staying in this. And when hierarchies want to tell us what we're going to do, we don't have to worry about it, right? Because we don't have that. We're independent. And uh, we make sure as a body that we follow this and the leadership of this church helps in that. The body of this church helps in that. And when I am preaching something that is not true, I encourage you to tell me that, hey... Let's look at this again. And I thank you every time you do that. And so uh, that's who we are, and that's uh, what we're about, God. And uh, so welcome today. And uh, today we get to wrap up Nehemiah. I wasn't ready for it. But when you run out of chapters, you better be ready for it. So today we're going we're gonna to be in Nehemiah chapter 13. And I'm excited, <clears throat> I'm excited about chapter 13 because Nehemiah is so bold in chapter 13. Not that he wasn't bold in all the first 12 chapters, but chapter 13, I'm not going to spoil it, he, he's left Jerusalem and, and he comes back in chapter 13 and, and he comes back a little upset. A little upset because of what the people have done to God's home, to God's place. And, and, and the things that are going on are upsetting Nehemiah. And he comes back with boldness. And I, and I want to talk about that boldness today. I want to talk about, about what he does. Making sure that we, as followers of God, are doing the same thing. And so uh, we're going to get into that today. I want to kind of recap, though, before we jump into chapter 13. We know that Nehemiah, there at the beginning, was, was God laid it on his heart that he was headed for Jerusalem. He was going to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall as soon as he heard that it was in ruins. And he wept and mourned and prayed about it. And he continued in prayer for three or four months before he had his opportunity to talk with King Artaxerxes. I think it's awesome that we were in Nehemiah as we went through our 40 days of prayer and fasting. Nehemiah continued to turn to the Lord every time, every time that he was faced with hardship, every time he was faced with a struggle, every time that somebody tried to rebuke him, every time that, that, that something came up, he turned to the Lord in prayer. What an example for us. 
What an example that, that he is that we can, we can read and have this account of him going to God every time there was trouble. And he walked in boldness in what God had laid on his heart. He did it. He, he <laughs> prayed for three or four months, yes. But it was because he knew that God had the orchestrated timing of when he was supposed to talk to the king. And the king gave him the opportunity because God orchestrated it. He told the king what he was going to do. And the king said, absolutely. And Nehemiah said, well, what about some provision? And he said, absolutely. So God gave him everything he needed to go and do what God had placed on his heart to do. He'll do the same for you. I want you to know that. But if God lays something on your heart to do, he will provide the provision in order to do it. You don't have to. You just need to put your eyes upon him and pray. And, and then Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. And he's like, oh boy. You're in destruction. You're in piles of, of rubble. And for three days he didn't say anything. And then he goes and rides the wall. And he comes back and he gives one of the greatest, I think, motivational speeches that anybody ever gave. And we don't have a word of his speech. But we have what they said in result of his speech. Let us arise and build. Let us arise and build. And so they got to work building the wall right in front of them. Right in front of them. We talked about that. We talked about making sure that we're doing what's right in front of us. We don't have to go across town or across the country to do what God has us to do right here. Right here. And that's being a witness for him. Shining his light, right? They arose and built. And they faced the adversary. And the adversary tried to knock him down and knock him down and knock him down. And the greatest verse, I think, of all of Nehemiah is Nehemiah when they're sending letters. Tobias sending letters to him. Come on, let's just talk and meet. And he says, I'm doing a great work. And I can't come down. What a statement. I told you to highlight it in your Bible at that time. If it's not, go back, highlight it, okay? I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. That should be on your lips when you face the adversary. When you're doing God's work and you have all these, these, these things or people or sin in your life or whatever it may be trying to knock you down, you say, I'm doing a great work and I'm not coming down. Because I have the power of Jesus in me to knock you down. They built a wall. And then they praised the Lord. They had the feast. Uh, of tents or booths. They celebrate. They celebrated for eight days. They glorified God. Then they dedicated the wall. We got to verse, chapter 12, right? They dedicated the wall to God and they, they sang great praises. And, and the joy, as it was pointed out this morning, their joy was heard through their praise throughout all. What a great thing. What a great thing. The account of Nehemiah is one that I love. I've preached Nehemiah a couple of times, but I'll tell you what, it has never had an effect on my life as this round <laughs> with Nehemiah. And I pray that it's had an effect on your life. I pray that as we've gone through Nehemiah, that his accounts have, have changed your walk with Christ, your relationship with Christ. I think it's been good. 
go to him in prayer and we'll jump into chapter 13. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this account of Nehemiah. And as we read through chapter 13 today, Father, I just pray that our ears and our hearts are ready to hear whatever you have to be laid on our heart. I pray that we're open to it, that we're not distracted by things that are going on beside us, that we're not distracted by things that we have to do today, that we're not distracted by, by whatever it be. But we're focused on you right now, Father. And we can, we can grow in our relationship with you by the account of Nehemiah in chapter 13. And Lord, I just thank you that we have it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, Nehemiah chapter 13. On that day, they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. And in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever come into the assembly of God. Because they had not met the children of Israel with the bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So it was when they had heard the law that they separated all the mixed multitudes from Israel. Now before this, Elisha the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied with Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a large room, where previously they had stored the grain offering, the frankincense, the articles, the tithes of grain, the new wine, the oil, given to the Levites and singers and the gatekeepers and the offering for the priests. But during all this, I was not in Jerusalem. For in this 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Then, after certain days, I obtained leave from the king. And I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil that Elisha had done for Tobiah. In preparing a room for him in the, court, in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me bitterly. Therefore, I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. Then I commanded them to cleanse the room, and I brought back into them the articles of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them. For each of the Levites and the singers who, had, who did the work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. And I appointed as treasures over the storehouse <coughs> Shelemiah, the priest of Zadok, the scribe of the Levites, Padiah, and next to them was Hanan, the son of Zakur, the son of Mataniah, for they were considered faithful, and their task was distributed distribute to their brethren. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its service. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them about the day on which they were selling provisions. 
Men of Tyre dwelt there also, who brought in fish and all kinds of goods, and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah. And in Jerusalem, then I contended with the nobles of Judah, and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do, by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did, you, did not your fathers do thus? And did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. So it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. Then I posted some of my servants at the gates so that no burdens would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. Then I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night around the walls? Listen up. If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they came no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah spoke according to the language of one or the other people. So I contended with them and cursed them, struck some of them and pulled out their hair. Think about that, people. And made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all of Israel. Nevertheless, begging women caused even him to sin. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil, transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? And one of the sons of Joiada, the son of Elisha, the high priest, was a son-in-law of Sambalot, the Hornite. Therefore I drove him from me. Remember them, O oh my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleanse them of everything pagan. I also assign duties to their priests and the Levites, each to his service, and to bring the wood offering and the first fruits at appointed times. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. There's a lot in chapter 13. Quite a reading. I actually really like chapter 13 because it gives me the permission to lay hands on somebody. I'm just joking. It doesn't. It doesn't. Look, uh, talk about Nehemiah leaving. Right? He, he leaves and he goes back home to do his job. Right? He was the king cupbearer. And he went back home to do his job. He had done the work of the Lord and he went back home. I think he heard word of what was going on. So he asked for leave once again and heads back to Jerusalem. 
And when he gets there, he sees what's going on. He sees how they have just completely went against what God had set forth for his house. Nehemiah gets out. He drives all that are not supposed to be in the house of God from the house of God. We may have another account of that. Matthew 12, John 2. Jesus cleansing the temple. Jesus braided a whip and drove all those who were bringing sin upon the house of God out of the house of God. Right? Wasn't Nehemiah doing the same thing prior? Driving anything that was sin out. You know, when we look at Jesus when he did that, some people, and I know I've said this in our study of John, some people want to say, well, Jesus didn't really use that whip. He just braided it. Jesus doesn't threaten, number one, okay? I guarantee somebody had a whip mark across their back when Jesus drove them out of there. He made sure that he was going to drive out the sin that defiled the house of God. Nehemiah did the same thing, and then he shut the gates. Right? He said, you're not going to come into the house of God, and I'm going to shut the gates, and I'm going to set guards at my gates, and you're not going to come in. And then when they camped outside, because they're like, them gates are going to open. We'll be right back in there. Just open up the gates. And he said, come on now. You want to keep camping here? I'm going to lay my hands on you. I will make you leave the house of my God. Listen, people, are we getting that serious about driving sin out of our own life? I talked with you last week that, that we are temples. We are God's temple. We talk about it in, in Psalms, right? That it says that we are a temple. Not Psalms. 1 Corinthians. We're a temple. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Look, we're not called to be perfect. We're not, and we'll never be perfect. We will never be perfect until we're with our king. And it will be a great day. But we are called to not continue in sin. Right? We're going to sin. The Bible tells us in 1 John that, that, that if we say we don't sin, we're a liar. But we can't continue in our sin and be okay with it. See, that's what they were doing in Jerusalem. They let them all back in and they were defiling the house of God and they said, that's all good. They even cleaned out the storehouse. The things that were set aside for God's people, they cleaned it out so that the evil could come in. Listen, don't clean out what's good in your life to allow evil to come in and then be okay with it. We all have sin in our life. But don't be okay with it. Don't be okay with, with walking and continuing in that sin. Fix it. But I'm going to tell you right now, we can't fix it. You see, Nehemiah said, I'm going to lay my hands on you if you don't leave. I say, Jesus Christ will lay his hands on you if you don't leave. He is our power. The ultimate power. And when sin and evil is in our life, don't go fight it by yourself. We're not strong enough. But the king is. He is ultimate power. He is ultimate power in what we do. And then have him help you shut the gates to keep him out. And set him as guard because he will to keep them out. But are we serious about it? Are we truly shutting the gates on sin in our life? Are we opening it up saying, come on in? I hope you're taking that question seriously. I hope you're taking that question seriously for your life. 
I also want to take it seriously for this church. For the house of God right here. You see, in uh, 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians 11, 2 through 4 says this. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your mind may be corrupted for the simplicity that is in Christ. Listen to this verse. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Listen, I don't want to put up with it. If another gospel tries to come in here and be taught, I pray that as a church we kick it back out and we shut the doors off. We stand strong in what truth is, and we don't be okay with just, well, it's not that bad. No, it's bad. Paul stood strong in what was a false teaching. And we need to stand strong too. Just as Nehemiah did. Nehemiah said, you're not going to defile the house of God. We are not going to let anybody defile the house of God. That goes for our body. That goes for this church. As a body, I'm calling you to know this, to know it in depth, so that we can stand in truth and not be led astray by a false teaching. Well, you know counterfeit is to know what's good, to know what's right, right? Talk about it several times. The, the, one, the ones who are hired by the government to find the counterfeit, they study what is truth. They never look at a counterfeit dollar ever to figure out how counterfeit is. They only look at the truth. I'm calling you to do the same. Only look at the truth and know the truth so that when counterfeit tries to come along, you can call it out right away. And that includes me. If I ever stand up here and preach something that is not truth, call it out. Call it out. Because the last thing that I ever want to do is lead you from the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, it's okay to be bold as Nehemiah was. Drive them out. Drive them out. And then we get later, a little bit later on here, we get to uh, Nehemiah talking about marriage. What's that have to do with us? He was telling them not to interracial marriage. I'm not preaching that, okay? <laughs> I'm not preaching that. But you see, it wasn't interracial marriage. It was, don't marry the non-believers. Don't inter intertwine with the Gentiles and the Jews because they didn't believe. Isn't it the same today? Isn't it the same today that we should not interracial... I'm going to say that wrong. We shouldn't marry non-believers. We shouldn't send our sons and daughters, as it says here, do not give them. I'll pull your hair and slap you across the face, is what Nehemiah said, if you want to marry non-believers. I'm going to awaken you to the truth. 
I, please don't make me do that. <laughs> but I want to talk about this a little bit, okay? We're going we're gonna to jump over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3, 7. It's a word to husbands. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. I'm not going to preach on this. There's a lot of depth to it. But I want you to hear this. As being heirs together. God says you will leave mother and father and become one. One flesh. If you're going to marry a non-believer, how do you become one flesh in Christ? You can't. You can't. Period. So listen, I preach this because I want to encourage us to send our children and be... Okay, let's be honest. I'm going to pick on my oldest daughter a little bit. I don't have right to tell her who she's going to date. Right? She lives. She doesn't live in my house. I'm not, yeah, she's turning red. I'm sorry. But, but I'm not going to tell her who she's going to date. I don't have that right. Right? But I can pray for her. Amen? I can pray for her spouse. Amen? Look, I can talk with her and encourage her. To find somebody who loves the Lord as much as she does. How important is it for our children to marry a believer? Important. You can't become one in Christ if you're not evenly yoked. That's a hard topic. It's a hard discussion. But I want to read it to you. I don't want to talk about it because Nehemiah says, look, you're defiling the house of God. You're not walking in the ways of God. Look, I want to encourage this body of believers to walk in the way of God. And I want to encourage all the children of this church. And I want to encourage anybody who's single in this church to look for a believer if you're looking for somebody to marry. Look for somebody who walks in the way of the Lord. Because you know what? I'll tell you through my marriage. There were times where I was struggling in my walk with the Lord. And Christy walked along and said, come on. Come on. And there are times I know that probably she was the same way. I was struggling. I was saying, come on. God is good. It takes both of you as one to walk in Him. And by no means. Am I saying that if you're married to somebody who's not a believer, to, to walk away from that? No, 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 no. There's lots of scriptures in there that says you need to love them into heaven. The example of Jesus. And maybe they'll see the love. I want to tell you this morning that if you are single, look to God. Or who you're to be with. I didn't know that when I got married, but God just blessed me greatly. Greatly. 
God will do the same thing for you if your eyes are upon him. Walk in his ways. Walk in his ways. Be one with the one that you are going to marry. And you don't have to worry about all this pulling hair and slapping stuff. Nehemiah started out in chapter 1 on his knees. And I think he ends chapter 13 on his knees. Several times in chapter 13, he says, remember me, oh my God. Remember me, oh my God, for good. You see, I think he's praying. I think he's on his knees seeking God. And I pray that we do the same. And I pray that in that we're driving out, just as he said in verse 30, thus I cleanse them from everything pagan. I want to encourage you to drive anything in your life out that's pagan, that's evil, that is sin, that is not of him. Drive it out. And let me just say that you can't do it alone. It's only through the power of Jesus that you can do that. And I want to encourage you to put your eyes upon Him and be on your knees and He will help you drive it all out. And He'll shut the gate. And He'll stand guard. Trust Him to do that in your life. Trust Him to do that in your life. I'm not going to say it's easy. <laughs> I guarantee it wasn't easy for Nehemiah to drive him out. It wasn't easy for Jesus to drive him out of the temple. It won't be easy for you to drive him out of the temple, but you can do it with the Lord. I don't care what it is on your, going on in your life. Whatever that sin is. Addictions. Thoughts. Thoughts that are not of God. Thoughts that are just wrong. Pornography. Seeking things in this world. Adultery. <coughs> Worshipping other things besides God. I don't know what you're saying. I don't need to know. Because God already knows. But he wants you to lay it down. And I want to encourage you this morning to lay it down, drive it out with the power of Jesus Christ and walk in here. And when it comes back knocking, ask Jesus to lay his hands on it. Let him take care of it. Trust in him. Trust in him to do that. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on back up. We're going to sing some songs this morning again. I want to encourage you. I don't probably preach on it enough. But truly, if you have sin in your life, and we all do, don't be okay with it. Don't be okay with it hanging around. But kick it out. Drive it out. With the power of Jesus Christ. 
and I'm preaching to myself this morning, okay? We all deal with it. We all fall short of the glory of God. But I'll tell you this. God already knows that. And He still loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to die for you so that you can have life in Him. So that you can be covered by His blood and be as white as snow. He wants you, though, to imitate Him. Denying the temptations. Denying the sin. And walking in Him. Becoming more and more like Him. <clears throat> the forgiveness is there, though. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day to do it. Today's the day to know that in Him you can have life because He went to the grave for you and He rose from the grave to sit beside our God right now. And if you've accepted Him, He tells us that He's prepared a place for you. Prepared a place. It's for you. But He gives you free choice. Free choice to choose it or not. Pray that your choice is Him. And then after that, your choices are still Him and not the world, not the sin. If you want prayers this morning, I would love to pray with you. If you're struggling with a sin that just is overwhelming you, let's pray about it. Let's gather up and pray about it and call Jesus to help you get that out of your life. Father God, I thank You so much this morning. I thank You that we can come to You and it's Your power that drives the sin out of our life. It's your power that, that, that helps set our mind on you. We are, we, we are so weak. God, but you are so strong. And we just thank you for that. And I pray that we, we get on our knees and we call out for you. For you. Drive all that out of our life. Your power. And the awesome thing is, is that we don't have to drive it all out to come to you. No, we just have to come to you. And then you'll drive it all out. If we allow you to. Lord, I pray that we open up our hearts to you in every way, shape, or form. We don't hang on to anything, but we come to you and allow you to drive it out of our life. God, thank you for that. Thank you for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That we can stand in the assurance to know that we have life in you and we have eternal life waiting on. God, I thank you for that. I pray that as we, we uh, end the study of Nehemiah, that we allow it to work in our mind and our heart. And in it all, bring us closer to you, Father. Thank you so much for, for the account of Nehemiah. And Lord, I pray for this church. I pray that we don't let any evil come into it. But we shut the gates on it. And you stand guard. Thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.